We'll do that again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Thank you, Nigel and Cheryl. I think we, we... That had a lot of pace in that, didn't it? Yeah? I don't know if it was pace because to, to preserve your voice because it wouldn't last till uh, it was any longer. But it, it's great. the joy of the Lord is our strength, isn't it? And uh, we'll, we'll come back to that in a, in a little while. I'm, I'm talking about the Word of God and there's no better setting to talk about the Word of God than in this place which historically has had its roots um, in a denomination that, that where the Word of God was at its heart, where the Word of God was elevated. And many of us have come from different strains, different backgrounds, but, and for some of us, the Word of God was really, I don't know, pivotal and central to everything we did. I was remembering in our church when I was a uh, a young pastor we had this whopping grey um, pulpit it was enormous for the size of the church we got it from some chapel or something that had closed and it was just disproportionate and it was quite nice it was sort of, sort of semi-circular and it elevated and you'd get in there and it was all intricately carved it was a real work of I don't know what happened to that but anyway it, it he found a different home and we ended up with a little lectern eventually. But that, it actually made a statement. I didn't realise it made a statement. But when we had visitors come in the church, especially Christians, remember one guy took me to one side. He said, as soon as I came into this church, I knew what this church was about. And I thought, well, was it the worship or something? He said, no, it was that whopping great pulpit. <laughs> but the word of God was really, really important. And uh, so it's great, and I know historically that's been true of, uh, of Tyne Road and uh, its aliases before that. Um, so can we, can we, may we have a, oh it's there, right. Yes, yes, I've actually done, you, you're, you're, you're spoilt today because I've, I've done a PowerPoint. Yeah? You can say woo at the end of it, but not before, yeah. A little bit of background as to where we are in the Bible and where we have come to, to come to Nehemiah chapter 8. Most of you would know that uh, after the death of Solomon in 931 BC, I like to use BC before Christ and not this common era or whatever they call it now. Uh, for me it's before Christ. Yeah? Um, 931 years, the death of Solomon. And Solomon was a, had been a great king, but he, he messed it up. And he ended up with uh, uh, Israel being, uh, uh, being split into two, into Israel, which was the 11 tribes, and the one which was Judah. Rehoboam and Jeroboam were their kings, and uh, unfortunately they ended up at, at war with one another. But there were two kingdoms, um, a southern kingdom in Judah and a northern kingdom, which was Israel. Um, and this, they both went their own ways and they had good and bad kings. But Israel had a succession of bad kings. I'm not saying that Judah was all good, but Israel just went from bad to worse. And eventually, if we move on, that um, the, the, uh, the Judah was defeated and, and many of the, the, the men 
and women were taken uh, captive in a sense. They weren't servants, but they were taken away um, and, uh, to Babylon. And uh, both um, in, in 605, Judah itself was defeated by Nebuchadnezzar and uh, the many people were transported to Babylon and to integrate with the Babylonians. And then, in 539, the Persians defeated the Babylonians. Um, and the next year, King Cyrus allowed Zerubbabel to take 50,000 of the, the Jews, men, women and children, to restore the Temple of God, which by now had, 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 it, it had um, fallen into um, a, a disrep- a damage and uh, the walls had been broken. And, uh, and so that was the, the first step, was to restore the Temple of God. And the, the pioneers that went there, these 50,000, gave up a good life in Babylon uh, to, to go and to work really hard at rebuilding the temple. Um, and uh, God moved in a, a pagan king um, to allow them to go and practice their religion. And the temple was dedicated in 516 BC, 22 years later. Uh, that work was slow, it started well, um, and um, God raised up two men, Haggai and uh, Zechariah, to rebuke the people. The people were more interested in good living than building the temple, finishing it off. They had lost interest. Um, moving on. But that they went, went on and, and built the temple. It was rededicated. Sixty years on, Ezra and 2,000 uh, men and women uh, with some money were allowed to go and to uh, continue this restoration. Ezra was a, a scribe, um, a priestly man, um, and there was a restoration that took part, but it was not complete. After initial um, enthusiasm, things lapsed, and uh, uh, ten years on, we hear of Nehemiah. Let's move on again. Um, he was moved to think of the condition of Israel. And his heart was broken and he, uh, the king attacks Xerxes. He went before him and he was allowed to go and uh, continue this work. He was gave permission for him to return um, with the king's resources. And we'd heard how in recent weeks how he took upon himself this work of restoration. The people were demoralized, they were disorganized, and the walls and the gates were restored in, in 52 days. Amazing. Uh, amazing work of God. He got his people back after being um, subjugate for so many years. It was God working through pagan kings. It was God's will to work in the heart of the people and to rebuild both Jerusalem and the temple and for his people to come back to the land that God had promised. And by the time we get to Nehemiah 8, um, Nehemiah isn't the governor, he's the overseer of, of, of Jerusalem. 
Um, and uh, Ezra was a spiritual leader. But when we stop in, in, in chapter 7, you can think, well, the work's done, everything's okay. It's finished. But for God it had not finished. The temple was there for worship, they had had homes which would be places of peace, the walls were there for their protection. But there was something missing. The word of God. And uh, it needed to be placed in the heart of the people. The word of God needed to be restored for the people to be truly who God had called them to be. Not just that they'd be in the right place. Not enough that they'd just be settled. Not so that they'd be protected from their enemies. But they needed the word of God. They needed to be aligned with God. For 70 years there'd been no temple. The temple had been restored. Now it was being rebuilt. And that Ezra had one intent. Moved on by God to bring the word of God into the centre of the life to re-establish Judah. So we're going to now look at Nehemiah chapter 8. Let me read it. All the people came together as one in the square before the water gate. They told Ezra, all the people in front of the water gate, the water gate was something that would bring uh, the water of life. They needed water, so it was the place of their nourishment. And all the people were there. And they told Ezra, the teacher of the law, to bring out the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded for, for Israel. So the first day of the seventh month, Ezra the priest brought the law before the assembly, which was made up of men and women, and all who were able to understand. He read it aloud from daybreak till noon, and as he faced the square before the water gate in the presence of the men and women and others who could understand and all the people listened attentively to the book of the law. What did the people do? Ezra the teacher of the law stood on a high wooden platform built for the occasion. Beside him on his right stood and there's 13 of his friends. Ezra... <laughs> Ezra opened, I'm doing that just for speed. Not for, yeah. Ezra opened the book. You didn't believe me, did you? Ezra opened the book. All the people could see him because he was standing above them. And as he opened it, the people all stood up. Ezra praised the Lord, the great God. And all the people lifted their hands and responded, Amen, Amen. What did the people respond? Amen, Amen. Then they bowed down and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. The Levites, numbered there, instructed the people in the law while the people were standing there. They read from the book of the law of God, making it clear and giving meaning so that people understood what was being read. What did the people do? Yep. Then Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and teacher of the law, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to them all, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn or weep, for all the people had been weeping as they listened to the words of the law. What caused them to weep? 
Okay, Nehemiah said, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. There was immediate action. This day is holy to our God. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The Levites came, uh, calmed all the people, saying, Be still, for this is a holy day. Do not grieve. Then all the people went away to eat and drink and send portions of food and to celebrate with great joy, because they now understood the words that had been made known to them. On the second day of the month, the heads of all the families, along with the priests and Levites, gathered around Ezra, the, the teacher, to give attention to the words of the law. They found written in the law, which the Lord had commanded through Moses, that the Israelites would live in temporary shelters during the festival of the seventh month, and that they should proclaim the word and spread it throughout their towns and Jerusalem. Go out into the hill country and bring back branches from olive and wild olive trees, from myrtles, palms and shade trees to make temporary shelters, as it is written. So the people went out and brought back branches and built themselves temporary shelters on their own roofs, in their courtyards, in the courts of the house of God and in the square by the water gate and the one by the gate of Ephraim. The whole company that had returned from exile built temporary shelters and lived in them from the days of Joshua son of Nun until that day. The Israelites had not celebrated like this and their joy was great. What was great? Hallelujah. Why do you think that was? The joy of the Lord. There's something about the word had been restored to them. The truth of God had found a place, not just in their minds, because joy isn't a mind thing. Joy is a heart thing. Understanding is the mind thing. Joy is what happens in a person's heart. Day after day, from the first day to the last, Ezra read from the book of the law, still going on, and they celebrated the festival for seven days. Part of their festival was enjoying the word of the, God, of, of the Lord as well as, as feasting and, and drinking. And on the eighth day, in accordance with the regulation, there was an assembly. Praise God. I want to talk, if we may, get back to... Yeah. About restoring the word. Something had stirred in the heart of the people. And it had stirred in the heart of the people that Ezra, after all this rebuilding had done and they were settled, and it could be easy now, they could just go back to life as it was. Remember that the, the, the word of the Lord was not impressed upon them, especially while they'd, they'd been away in exile. But they asked Ezra to bring out the book of the law of Moses, the Pentateuch, the first five books of our Bible. And it was to be given authority once more. It was actually as though the body was there but it needed life. And the life was brought through the word of God. It was to be given 
a special place. And did you remember how that happened? That Nehemiah had a platform built. Everyone had gathered, but there was a platform that was built. It was to be elevated. So now the reading of the law was above the people. The people were below, physically, the spoken word of God, the read word of God. And that, that was significant. It, it, the word of God was now above them. The word of God is now to study them. In a way, yes, they were to understand it, but the word of God is a mirror. The word of God, as, as, we, as we look at it, it, it speaks about God, but it shows us ourselves. And it was really lovely that yesterday, when I was in Chelmsford Prison, I saw two new men that had been referred, and they were both, both had no background of Christianity. One was 42, and the other was 22. And they've both um, lost um, family and friends, um, and they're in a bad way. They've both just come into prison. Uh, they're both struggling with prison life. One has been in and out quite a lot, but the other not. And uh, I went and I, I, I visited them for the first time on their wings. I went into their, one of their cells and another I found a little room in which I could talk to him alone. And we spoke about their life and, and stuff. And uh, I spoke about my own testimony, about my life being turned around by the word of God and how my life had changed and, you know, that, that their lives could be changed and that they've never, they don't go to church, they, but they ended up, say, I, I said, may I pray with you? And they said, yes, and I prayed with them in, in the place where I was and before I, I left, one said, no, they both said, they asked about chapel and I said, well, if you want to go to chapel, you've got to make a request and get on the list. And in a couple of weeks, we're there anyway, so why not come along? And they both said, yeah, we'll do that. And uh, so I prayed for them. And uh, one said, uh, can, can I have a Bible? And I said, yes, you can have a Bible. And the other, I asked if he wanted a Bible, and he said, yes. So I, on the way back, I'd finished. It was late, but I think I'm going to walk all the way back to these wings, which is a long way, way from the from the chapel. Um, but I thought, before I go home, I'm going to take the word of God. And I left it in their cell. And they've both got Bibles. And their life can change. One's name's Josh, the other is Spencer. With them is the word of God. And if they care to open it, and if they care to read it, something amazing can happen in their lives. Their lives can be transformed. It's like a spiritual time bomb that's just ticking away, waiting to be opened. And when the word of God comes into a person's heart and it's touched by the spirit, their lives can change. And all the people stood when the word of God was being read in Africa and, and India. When the word of God is being read, people stand. I quite like that. Do you like that? You're giving honour to it. How about when it's read for six hours? <laughs> hey, what do you think about that one? Yeah? Anyway, 
<laughs> you you honour the word, don't you? Yeah, and uh, and uh, in those countries as well, they, I, I won't say now because I'm looking around and someone might feel guilty. But I've been sort of guilty of putting the, my Bible on the floor when people uh, there's not enough seats around. Um, but for some people. Certainly for Muslims, if you put the Quran on the floor, that would be an absolute insult. And for some people, putting the Bible, in, in a, treating it like that, is not good. So Ezra read and others explained, and they lifted the people, lifted their heads, hands rather, bowed their, head, their heads and they worshipped with their faces to the ground. Can you imagine it? All these people. And what's happened? The word of God has been read and there, there are people that have gone around to try and help explain it. We can read the word of God and we say nothing. I evoked an amen, amen, as we read. But when the word of God says, you should say amen, shouldn't you? You should say, praise them. This is the word of God. It's not, we say, oh, it's the Bible. It's the word of God. And when the word of God is presented to you, should there be some sort of response? Or is it just a passage out of an old book? And I've heard that before. Or he's not pronouncing it very well. Or he's, he got that wrong. Is it, what happens when this word is read? When this word was read to this people, there was transformation taking place. Hallelujah, David. Yeah. 2 Timothy 3.16 All scripture is God-breathed. What is it? God-breathed. Hallelujah. And it is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Their good work was immediate. They, they, they shared food with other people. It was, it was to be central. Six hours, morning till noon. Most of you are certainly our house group. I love our house group because the, 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 the word is central. We spend a lot of time talking about the word and discussing it. It is lovely. But when I was a, a young pastor, I'll make a long story short, there was a, a time when I was on my own and uh, I was sort of, church was okay. It was, it was, it was good. But um, I'd had breakfast and I, I, I threw some bread onto the lawn and we're, our, our garden, some of you know, has got lots of bushes and shrubs around it. And all of a sudden, from nothing, the lawn was covered with starlings. And uh, they, were, they, were, they were all running around, or they didn't run, did they? They hopped around and, uh, for, for, for the bread. It was amazing. And I said, I felt God say to me, Ian, that's what, just what you want to do. Just offer them the bread of life. No, don't try and be clever. Your cleverness is nothing compared with what I'm asking you to do. Just offer the word of life. Just offer it to people. This is the word. And uh, 
and you, I will bring the people. And, uh, oh wow, isn't that lovely? I'll do that. And in my mind, I, I made a decision that in the morning I would start on an exposition of one book of the Bible and in the evening I'd start on the exposition of another book of the Bible. Chapter by chapter, I would preach it, just offer it. And within no time at all, our church was full to overflowing with people that God had brought. Yeah? But then I remember the end bit of that, when, when I was sitting in there and all the crumbs had gone or everything had gone. Most of the birds had left and there were just six birds fighting over crumbs. I felt the Lord say, so will it be, Ian, if you cease to do that. You'll have people fighting over crumbs. Make your choice. There was a hunger for the word. that The people said, bring the book. And they listened attentively. And six hours. And they responded. And they took heed what the Spirit was saying. You know, in the, in the Bible it says, those who have ears, listen to what the Spirit is saying. And they understood the word. They had to hear it, but the, a teacher came to explain. Understanding was needing. And for Paul, the word was so important. In, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 4.13, there's this lovely little verse. He's asking Timothy, when Timothy comes, he said, bring a cloak I left there, would you? It must be cold where he was. He was in the house arrest. And my scrolls, especially my parchments, that meant everything to him the word that God had given him to share with people that we read was given to us. Paul in his old age still wanted not only to read it but to share, to share the message with those that were around. And secondly, after... Move on. Oh, we've moved on too far. Never mind. That's alright. You want me to speed up, don't you? <laughs> I tell you, I tell you the hint. <laughs> now these are these are quick now. Yeah, uh, to not only to restore the word, but to respond to the word, and their response was joy because of the word. It was because of the word brought joy. Remember, they, they were mourning, they were weeping, they were repenting. And he said, this day is holy unto the Lord. The word, the, 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 the word brings truth. It must have an effect in my heart. It challenges me, my pride, my arrogance, my slothfulness. You know, the unforgiveness in my life. Whenever it comes, it challenges because none of us are perfect. And that response is feeling undone. You, you've all felt that when the word of God has come to you and you felt, oh! You know, it, it's exposed me for what I am. 
You know, I, I can hide things from you, but I can't from God. And when God's word comes, it touches your heart, and you think, I've got to change. I've got to do something. There's a, there's a, there's a sadness. And after that, he said, don't grieve, don't stay in that place, Ian. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. Psalm 30, verse 5. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. We rejoice because of the word of God. The word brings us joy because it aligns us with the Father. It brings life to us. It opens a new avenue of opportunity. Sin conceals God. Repentance opens our vision to see God as he is in all his splendour and wonders and to receive the love of God. Forgiveness is so amazing, isn't it? To be forgiven. What is the response? It's joy. What is evident and needs to be evident in every church, every community, every believer is joy. How can I invite people to come and know the Saviour if I'm so solemn and sullen and miserable? Come and share in my misery. Yeah? What a gospel call. Yeah? Come and know the joy of the Lord. Because I see it in David. As David carries a Maggie, you know, they, they may, their body may, may, may be racked with pain but their inner man can be full of joy. The joy of Jesus. The joy of knowing the Lord. The joy of Jesus saying, come and walk with me, Cheryl. Come and do my, share in my work. Share in, God found me in a mess and he, he picks me up and renews me and says, Ian, I want you to walk with me. I've got the keys to open doors, I'll do it. Just walk with me. Just abide in my word. And finally, after restoring and responding, we need to remember his word. In verse 13 it said, on the second day, if the first day wasn't enough of six hours of preaching and <laughs> weeping and falling on your face and everything else and then rejoicing, they haven't had enough. The leaders came to Ezra and said, teach us some more. The leaders need, we need to be men and women of God, men and women of the word. Not clever, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd repent of all the nonsense I used to get up to. I was starting a sermon with a joke. I used to spend a longer sometimes looking for a joke than I did studying the word. It nonsense. Because that's the way great preachers did it. No, the joke, just you can laugh at me for who I am, not just my jokes. Yeah? Offer the word. You know, we're told that not, nothing, in the book of Revelation, that nothing must be added to it or subtracted from it. It is complete. 
It doesn't need my cleverness, my manipulation. Let the word do it. So releasing to know that. So on the second day, the leaders with the priests gathered around Ezra, gathered around the word and the scribes to give attention to the word of the law. And something happened. As they read, they learned about the Feast of the Tabernacles that ever since uh, Joshua had fallen out of their their, their vocabulary and, and, and their worship, they'd forgotten. And that's why we're going to remember in a moment, we're not going to forget. We don't want to forget. We mustn't forget. Where they dwell in booths on flat roofs for seven days, camping out as a reminder to them of the Israelites sojourning in the wilderness for 40 years. They were to get a little taste of that and remember the goodness of God. Remember what God did in the wilderness. Remember what happened to them. and Remember that they didn't end up in the wilderness. They were taken most of them, into the promised land. And so, just like the Passover, part of the Passover feast was was eating bitter herbs to remember the bitterness. And the the waters of Mara, when it was bitter. But after seven days of camping out, They'd gone out, they cut the myrtles and the palms and the olive branches. And day after day, for seven days, what did they do? They read from the book of the law. And Nehemiah says, and their joy was great. So when the word of the Lord came to the city of Philippi, It said great joy was in that city. In Acts. The word of the Lord bringing release, bringing truth. Breaking me out of 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 my, my, my poor understanding. Touching my heart. Great joy. That's why the joy of the Lord is your strength. Now, in today's society, in today's church, is this like what we've been reading about? Is my attitude like it was for the people that resettled? They've been given a place to worship. They were now community. They were protected. Is my love for this as theirs was? Or is the truth now a bit of pick and mix? We'll have a bit of this. I can add something, my understanding, new revelation. This is no longer true. Was once, perhaps. But now parts of it is. Or is this still the word of God? Is it 
that we don't see so much joy but we see more anxiety and depression. Is that partially because of this? That we're not people of joy? Therefore, we haven't got the strength we should. We can know God's peace. And joy will arise as we trust and wait. And I believe in these end times, God does want to restore his word into the centre of his people. I believe he does want us to respond to the word with an enthusiasm, with a right, we place it in the right place, we honour it, we find time to let it teach us and we remember, we remember the word and we live it out. Because the word needs to get from that book into the world. How does it do it? Yeah, we can talk, we can share it, but we can live it, can't we? They lived it. They started doing what the Word had told them to do. And remember. So I'm going to pray. Then we're going to have a a song. And then we're going to remember what it was all about. Yeah? Father, we thank you. Lord, you are so wonderful. You just didn't leave us, Father, helpless. But Father, you speak to us. It's not just written, it's your word spoken. Many of the people that wrote in this book, prophets, said the word of the Lord came to me. The Lord spoke. Father, continue to speak. We need to hear your voice. Forgive us, Father. In amongst the, the plethora of voices that we hear, Father, yours can be drowned out. We don't listen for it, Lord. Have mercy, Father. And fill us with joy as, Father, we elevate your word above us. And we become subservient to it, but not just servants of the word, but we become expressions of the word, Father, as you conform us into the likeness of Jesus for your glory that the world may know that we are your disciples. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you.